Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Emuna, our amazing Living with, with Emuna Sheer and Support Group. I want to thank our uh, generous sponsors, series sponsors, Dr. Avi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Very grateful for their incredible generosity. Also, this morning, uh, all of our learning always is for Chaya Esther Tehila Bas Ariel Tzipora. She have a speedy, complete, painless refuah shleima together with all those who are ill. We ask everyone to remain after. We continue to say Tehillim after the Amunashir in person. So uh, we could really use everybody's help and um, cast all of our heartfelt philos Esti's way. She's an incredibly special and beautiful and sweet and amazing girl. A young girl filled with faith and uh, we wish her only refuah shleima and sending her all that love. So please uh, stay for a few moments afterwards. Also, if you've not yet joined our WhatsApp group, WhatsApp group that uh, has announcements, sheer schedule, the link, how to listen, bonus material and ideas. For example, I uh, posted just this morning a bonus link. We're studying a new text. We're starting a new topic and a new author. So you don't have to ask me uh, who Richard Meyer is. It's not Rav Itcha Meyer. Bayam Durachacha. Rav Itcha Meyer. Bayam Durachacha. Fantastic safer. I'm sure we'll come back to it. But we're starting a new safer called Tiva Emuna. Rav Gamliel Rabinovich. Rav Gamliel is a Rosh Hashiva, a Makubal, a great Tamachacham, a great, uh, incredible individual in Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh today. On our WhatsApp group, I put a link to a wonderful article by my buddy Surly Besser about Rav Gamliel. If you want to know more about the author to better appreciate what we're going to be seeing in the text today, so that's yet another incentive to join the WhatsApp group if you've not yet, to get that bonus material information. It's rabbiefremgoldberg.org slash WhatsApp. RabbiEfremGoldberg.org slash WhatsApp. Before we dive into the new text together, I want to catch up on a few other things. I saw an amazing quote that really closes what we've been learning the last several months together. We're moving on to a new topic, but the last several months we talked about katnas and godless and panam and achor, ratza v'shov. We have moments of being close and connected and plugged in and on a spiritual high. We have moments of feeling far and distant and away. And how do you serve Hashem and how do you live with Amuna? not only when everything is amazing, how do you live with, with Amuna when nothing is amazing, when everything feels miserable and everything feels like it's not working? And we spent a long time by on that topic, but I want to close that entire topic by telling you a beautiful quote. The quote is from a woman named Christine Kane. I have no idea who she is, no idea who she is, but she said something brilliant. She said, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think that you have been buried but actually you've been planted. Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you feel that you have been buried, but actually you have been planted. And the reason I thought that was such a beautiful quote that really summarizes and closes that last limud is that what Ravitcha Meyer was telling us in Bayav Derechecha was that in that dark place and from that distance and in that low point, sometimes when you fall, you can bounce higher than you ever were. That we, like the bat who lets go. We can take the momentum from the fall to create lift, to be able to soar and to be able to fly. So in that dark place, you could wallow and pity, self-pity, and you could despair and you could give up. Or you could say, I'm in this dark place because I've been planted. I'm underground and I'm about to blossom and I'm about to burst forth and I'm about to yield fruit and something special is about to happen. So that is up to us. When we feel that we're in that dark place, are we willing to concede? Do we want to say that we've been buried? Or do we want to see it as we've been planted? And the choice is up to us. What comes next? 
Will we use it to despair? Or will we use it as a springboard to soar and to fly to make sure that we have not been buried, but we have been planted? All of that is number one. Number two, word of introduction. My whole week revolves around the Amunashir. What did I hear? What did I see? What story was I told? What did we experience? that is going to become part of the Emunashir. So last, Mote, last Shabbos was the Aguda Convention. Last Motzei Shabbos, last Thursday night? I think it was Thursday night. But Surly Besser does uh, asking for a friend with two great Rabbanim. Vlopiansky is always one of them. And he asked the question, the following question. It's a great question. And it's a relevant question for our learning. I don't remember what number we're up to, 260, whatever number we're up to of our Emunashir. But this is something that's always bothered us. We've shared before. So many of the Amuna stories that we hear, that we share, that we read, that we receive in our inbox and our WhatsApp. So many of the Amuna stories are all about stories that have a positive outcome, a good ending, right? The, the classic Amuna story is the, the person who ran late and missed their flight and they were all miserable, but then the plane crashed and they survived and isn't Hashem amazing? And there are so many stories like that. And so many people who hinge their Amuna on those stories. I don't like to tell those stories. In our Amunashir, we'll share stories of Hashkacha, where we felt Hashem's presence, but not in miracles, Adraba, exactly the opposite. Something that could have been simply dismissed as a coincidence, a random or chance, to say that wasn't random, and that wasn't chance at all, but that was by design. That was complete Hashkacha. That was what was meant to be. It's not that, oh, there's a miracle. It's that the everyday natural things, to recognize that that's Hashem speaking to us, that's Hashem revealing His hand to us. In fact, there's a, a famous book about Amun, I won't mention its name, who the opening story about this famous book about Amun that was popular several years ago, that, that is the opening story about a person who ran late and missed their flight and was all miserable, where's Hashem, why would he do that? And then the plane crashed and, and, and I went to go see the author of that book because that story bothered me. And I asked him, wouldn't it be a much more powerful story, not about the person who missed their flight, but what about the person who was waitlisted on that flight and when the other individual got stuck in traffic and didn't make it, made the flight and went down with the plane. And now his family sitting Shiva says, but it's what's meant to be, it's from Hashem. It's from Hashem because he was waitlisted and he made it last minute and they gave him a seat and clearly this was his time to go. Isn't that a much more powerful story of Emuna? So that was the question I asked of Ravil Piansky. It's really Besser asked him. These Emuna stories that are all couched and are all presented and Rabbi Lopiansky said two things that I want to share with you, then we'll get into our new text. And you could watch it yourself. This video is available online. Uh, maybe I'll put it as a bonus material in our Emuna WhatsApp group to watch. The whole conversation is worth watching. So Rabbi Lopiansky said that this is a very important issue. And even though it makes us feel good and it gives us goosebumps and it makes us feel hopeful, but it's ultimately, it's ultimately doing something negative because it essentially links our Amunah to Hashem, with the story having a positive outcome, a good ending. So we only want to believe in God, or if the foundation of our belief in God, if the foundation of our Amunah in Hashem is, Hashem, just like in that story, you made everything okay, well, if I have enough Amunah, if I have enough Bitachon, if I practice enough Dveikas, if I attach myself to you enough, my loved one will get better and heal. That Shidduch will work out. The baby will yet come. The Parnassah will flow. Everything will turn out okay because I get a story in my inbox every day where something was supposed to go wrong and then Hashem made it go right. So clearly, my Amunah now, and what happens to the person who davens and davens and davens and davens and davens and davens and casts their light, lot on Hashem, and then 
it didn't go right. And it didn't have a positive outcome. Tonight's guest on, on Behind the Bima, several years ago, his wife didn't feel well, and that day she was gone and left him with 11 children that he raised by himself. And he just wrote a book called Why God, How to Believe in Heaven When Life Feels Like Hell. Why God, Chabad Rav, started many, uh, many uh, Chabads. And uh, he'll be our guest tonight. How, how do you believe, why God, where's God? So if your whole Amuna is founded on, the strength of your Amuna is that everything always works out and everything has a happy ending and everything is always the way we want it to go and every outcome is the way we want, then what happens when it doesn't work out that way? What happens? Your Amuna is shattered. Your faith is broken. If it's founded on something so weak, a deck of cards, it could implode, it could collapse so easily. So he told the story of Lopiansky. Listen to this story. Watch the video anyway, because this was only one question in a long, long conversation. But he told the following story that he had read, I think, in the Hebrew Yated. He told the story, he said, you know, in, in Israel, the uh, elections are, uh, are a business. They happen so often. They're a growth business. And uh, the law in Israel is, at polling sites, there are people who watch, who guard the polling site, and they're paid, unlike the people here with their, fulfilling their civic duty, who show up to man the uh, polling sites, who don't get paid. You get paid? Oh, okay, what do I know? Okay, it's a, a new career option for me. So you get paid, you get paid. So in Israel, you get paid. So this Kolal uh, fellow, this Kolal Yungaman signed up because they paid 2,000 shekel, which is like a month's salary for a Kolal member in Eretz Yisrael, so he could make all that money just by sitting one day at an election poll. He got his assignment of where that polling station would be, and it was in a neighborhood that he felt as a Ben Toro who's in a growth stage of his life, that's probably not the place for him to be. That's probably not the environment and the dress and the atmosphere and the people. And he had this big internal debate. Do I go? It's good money. It's the money I make a month in the kolal, what that could do for my family. But you know what? What will it do to my neshama? I don't know if I should go. And he decided in the end, you know what? The money's not worth my neshama. The money's not worth my olam haba. The money's not worth the nisyonos, the test that it will be. So it was within enough time that he could back out. Having done nothing wrong, they could find someone else. He backed out. And then he continues in the story. He says a few weeks later, he was walking in the street and he found something. He says, I didn't find 2,000 shekel. I didn't find 200 shekel. I didn't find two shekel. I found myself. So Vlopiansky told this story because he said, Everyone was all geared up, right? You expect the end to be. I backed out. I did the right thing. I showed Hashem I want to be the right person. And lo and behold, I was walking the street and I found 2,000 shekel. But that's, that's not a story that will be a, a healthier, constructive way to build our amuna. He didn't find 2,000 shekel. He didn't find 200 shekel. He didn't find 20 shekel. He didn't find two shekel. He found himself. He did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. And he became a better person for showing that fortitude and resilience and for making that choice that he made that was not an easy choice to make. He didn't find the money, he found himself. And Rolbianski said that's Emuna. The reason we show Emuna, the reason that we live with Emuna, we talked last week, we don't have Emuna. You have a car, you have a phone. You don't have Emuna, you practice Emuna, you live with Emuna. And just because you showed Emuna yesterday, what does that have to do with? You don't have love for your spouse, you love them. And just you can't say, I, lo I loved you yesterday. What are you hocking me today? I loved you yesterday. I loved you last week, enough already. No, love is something you need to live with every day, every moment. 
And it's not something you have, it's something that you practice, and it's something who you are. And Muna is not something that you have, and you didn't do it yesterday. Muna is the way we live. It's part of our very identity. It's the air that we breathe. It's the filter and prism through which we experience the world. You wouldn't say, just to extract that metaphor as far as we can take it, you wouldn't say, I wore glasses yesterday. I wore my contacts yesterday. Why do I need to wear them today? I have glasses. Well, that's nice. They're sitting on the counter. They're sitting on your dresser. They're sitting in a drawer. How does having glasses help you? I have glasses. Well, that doesn't help you unless you're wearing them because you won't see clearly unless you're wearing them. And you can't say, I wore my glasses yesterday. I wore my glasses last week. Everything will be blurry to you today. And you're gonna stub your toe and you're gonna crash your car and you're not gonna experience the joys of life if you don't wear your glasses today. And Muna are the glasses that we wear. It's the way we see the world. It's how we perceive and experience everything that happens. We don't have them. You don't have Emuna and then it sits in a drawer. You wear your Emuna so you can see the world and see Hashem everywhere. You don't wanna live and see the world in black and white, you can experience the world in living color. Hashem is in every blade of grass and the rustle of the tree. He's in every sound of a, of a chirp of a bird. Hashem is in that cool breeze on your neck. And Hashem is that warmth of the sun in this magnificent now South Florida December weather, finally. Baruch Hashem, Bli Ayin Hara. It's Hashem everywhere. Hashem is when you find that parking spot. Hashem is when everything goes right. And as we were studying the last several months, Hashem is even where everything goes wrong. It's in that moments, it's in that hospital room, and it's in that diagnosis that you get, and it's in that horrific moment that Hashem is in all those places too. It's in that low, it's in that low where we've fallen because of our own mistakes, or we've been knocked down because life has dealt us, dealt us such an unfair hand. Hashem is in those moments too. Our amuna should not and cannot be founded on fantastical stories where it all works out. This Kola Yungaman says, I didn't find 2,000 shekel. I didn't find two shekel. I found myself. I found my strength. I found my, my backbone. I found my spiritual spine. I found my Amuna glasses that I now wear and see the world with the pride of having made the right decision. And he says, Rav Lopiansky, that Amuna Hashkacha is that Hashem leads me towards my tikkun. Hashem is leading me towards my purpose in this world. Not that everything that happens is good, Everything that happens is for the good. Not that everything that happens is pleasurable, but there are painful things that are also good because they lead me towards my tikkun and towards where I'm meant to go. I started to read the book of our guest tonight and he talks about the positive that came out, how horrific and the pain he continues to live with without his wife and raising 11 children on his own, but how they grew and they're better because of it. He wouldn't welcome it or want it he didn't, he didn't ask for it. He would do anything not to have experienced it. But now that it's happened, to understand and to see the positive, the good, what's come out of it in a way that he can have resilience from it. So, Why? That's Amunah Nashkacha. Amunah Nashkacha is Kiata Imadi. Gam Ki Elach, David Amalek doesn't say, even when I walk through the light of heaven, my faith won't falter because you're with me. He doesn't say, even when I win the lottery and the baby's born and standing under the chuppah and everything goes right, Hashem, I will see you because I know you're with me. David Malach says, even when I'm running because my father-in-law is trying to kill me, even when I'm one running because my son is conspiring to kill me, even when I know there's a rebellion brewing and they're trying to assassinate me, 
Even when I know that I'm fighting a battle against the Goliath or I'm being falsely accused of lo irara. I'm not worried. You know why? So emuna, emuna is not when everything's going right and everything's well and everything's on dory. Emuna is not when everything is a fantastic story with a happy ending. Emuna is wherever and whenever and whatever is happening, I can wear my glasses and see you and know you are right by my side. And what does that mean, that what I'm going through has meaning and has purpose, has tachlis. It is tachlis. The last introduction I'll say, I hope we get to actually our new text today. Last week, Yochavet and I did a panel for the very first time. Did I speak about it last week at Amuna? So we, we did this panel. I don't have to rehash. You could watch it, watch it also. I will post it also. Wow, I'm going to over flood your Amuna WhatsApp group in the next couple of days. Yochavet, remind me to post all these things. So for the first time in 21 years, only because it was the first time we've been asked, we talked about a stillbirth that we experienced 21 years ago which Baruch Hashem, Bliya a billion times over, we've been blessed in every which way. And, uh, but at the time was an incredibly painful experience that we had. And one of the things that I shared on this uh, panel, Yechavah did most of the talking and shared our experience uh, brilliantly and insights and advice from it. But one of the, the little things that I contributed was a, a perspective that in the questions, we didn't, we didn't have a chance to get to, it left us there's so much more to talk about and to share. Maybe we'll find an opportunity to do a, a part two. But several of the people listening, we, the panel, can see the questions coming in. So if you were watching, you couldn't. But several of the questions were actually about this. Were the following. <coughs> Many people who experience a, a miscarriage or a stillbirth, which is one quarter of all pregnancies, a quarter to a third of pregnancies, don't end in life. They, they unfortunately end in, in miscarriage or stillbirth, which is a statistic that young people should know. Yechavid made this point. They should not think, well, as soon as I want to get married, I call the Shadchan and I'll be married within a few weeks. And then when we decide we want to have a baby, nine months later we'll have a little baby bouncing in our arms. We shouldn't scare them and we shouldn't create anxiety over this for them, but we should also prepare them for the way that life works because then they won't be shocked in a way that they can't, they can't overcome later the stronger we are, the more we can withstand. So we should be honest and forthcoming about not only the beauty and the bracha of when everything goes right, but some of the challenges of when it goes wrong. So a quarter to a third of, of pregnancies end in miscarriage or stillbirth. And often people feel, and I remember vividly this was a feeling that Yechebet had, that, that we had, what's, what's the point? What was the point? Why, why go through pregnancy? Why go through pain and nausea and sleepless nights? Why go through aches and pains? Why have to have gone through delivery and induction? Why have to go through recovery? Why have milk come in and a body continue to tell you that you should be, have someone to nurse? Why? It's all, it's all pointless. It's all meaningless. It's all for nothing. I very recently had somebody who suffered several miscarriages ask, why does Hashem keep toying with me? Why does He cause me this pain? Why get pregnant if it's not going to ultimately yield and conclude in a healthy baby? Why? What's the point? What's the point of the promise? What's the point of, of the hopes and the dreams if they're just going to crash? What's the point of it? What's the point of it? And I shared a perspective. Rav Moshe Wolfson has shared it. Others. Gemar Nivama Samach Beis tells us that Mashiach's not going to come out shetichla kol the moment of creation, Hashem created every soul that was destined to exist. So 5,783 years ago, 
He created babies that are not yet born. He created every soul that was destined to exist. And he has some celestial file cabinet, some storage system in the sky. And at the moment, or 40 days after conception, when he deems the time is right, he reaches into his file cabinet, he takes a soul, and he puts it into a, a body that lives a very short, finite amount of time in this world. And then he extracts the soul from that body. And hopefully they have been united for 70, 80, 120 years. Tragically and sadly, it's way too short. But in the scope of eternity, it's all too short. 120 years in the scope of eternity is the blink of an eye, is nothing. But it's united for a short time and then he extracts the body from that, the soul from that body. But the Gemara says that the ultimate redemption, Mashiach will not come. We will not transition to the next phase of reality until every neshama that he created 5,783 years ago comes down to this world. It needs to be realized in this world. And only when the neshama comes down, then and only then can Mashiach come, can redemption occur, can the next phase of reality happen. And therefore, and therefore, there's no such thing as a miscarriage. That's what Rav Wilson writes. There's no such thing as a miscarriage. Miscarriage suggests that it wasn't meant to be, it was a waste, something went wrong, there was a failure, something didn't happen, and there was no purpose, it wasn't fulfilled, the goal was not reached, this was for nothing. But we don't believe in miscarriages. We believe that whoever was chosen was chosen very painfully and unfortunately and would never ask for it or sign up for it, but they were a vehicle and an instrument to bring a soul down that though it never saw the light of day, it brought us one step closer to Mashiach and to redemption. Because each person needs to be that vehicle, that instrument. And in fact, in some ways, is even a holier and purer instrument and vehicle because a baby that's born becomes a human being that makes choices and that soils that soul because we don't always make all the right choices. So even though God, the soul you gave me was pure, but nevertheless, it gets blemished and contaminated and soiled. And that's what tshuva, we have to undo it and cleanse it. But the soul that came down and never lived in this world and never experienced free will and choice never made a mistake. It was here pure and it was returned pure. And the person who carried such a soul was a vehicle and a conduit, was a host for something so pure. And it wasn't a waste. And it wasn't for nothing. But they played a pivotal and critical role in the incremental progress towards the complete redemption and towards Mashiach and what a privilege that is. Not one we'd sign up for or wish or hope for anyone, but if they did, they should look back and feel comforted to know that it's not for nothing. It's not for waste, it's not random or chance. It's not for nothing. So several of the follow-up questions that people asked, yeah, well, that doesn't feel so good when you're going through it. That's lovely, that's nice, that's philosophical. Save it for living with Amuna Goldberg. Nobody wrote that, but that's how I read it. Save that for living with Amuna Wednesday mornings. But when, you're, when your body is in pain, when you are recovering from an aching arms that should be holding a baby, or from a body that's telling you you should be nurturing and, and feeding another human being, that philosophy, that doesn't cut it, that doesn't do it. To which I ask, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Again, I know that, and thank God, this was the biggest challenge we've gone through in our lives, and we're grateful in the big menu of options of what it is. But at the time, I remember that that was one comforting thought that we had. Yochavet said it to the doctor in the middle of the night during induction, waiting to give birth to this lifeless baby. She said, you know, thank God that we believe in Hashem, because I don't know how I would get through it. I don't know how others get through it if you don't. You just lie there in pain thinking, random chance, 
just a victim of nature. It just happened. There's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no reason, there's no order, there's no higher explanation, just happens. How do you get through it when you feel you're a statistic or you're a data or you're a victim of chance? It's when you surrender to a higher being and when you believe that even if you don't have access to it, there is an understanding and a purpose, there is a higher order, there is a tachlis to what you're enduring, that's what gives you the strength to get through it. I shared that they never had an explanation in our case. They never had an explanation. They did a chromosomal analysis and checked the umbilical cord and they checked everything. They never had an explanation. Why? What happened? What went wrong? We'll never know. Some people would be plagued by that. I was comforted by it because if you knew why something went wrong, you would wonder why did it have to go wrong and could we have fixed it and could we have known it and could someone have done something about it? And when you never know, you have no choice but to conclude this was from Hashem. It wasn't meant to be. This was by design, this was his choice, this was from him, this is the way it was supposed to happen. I don't know why and I don't know why we had to endure that pain and we wouldn't welcome it on anyone else, but it was what was meant to be. Why am I telling you all this and rehashing it? Because Rav Lopiansky said, Gam ki lo irara ki ata imadi. Emuna is ki ata imadi. Ki ata imadi, that's emuna. When we first started, hundreds of Emunah Shiram ago, we went through a big phase of Ein Od Milvado, the Ein Od Milvado phase. We should make some swag with Ein Od Milvado. But Ein Od Milvado, we went through our Ein Od Milvado phase. Ein Od, there is no one and nothing but him. Ein Od Milvado, the tradition that the Nefesh Chaim has, that if you're in a horrible moment, you have to say Ein Od Milvado, there is no one, there's nothing but him. Ein Od Milvado, there is nothing but him. So now our next motto, our next bumper sticker is Kiata Imadi. You're with me. Kiata imadi. You're by my side. What does kiata imadi mean? This is what Lopiansky said. Lopiansky is teaching the Amunash here today. This is what he said. Kiata imadi means that what I am enduring is not random and it's not chance. There is a tachlis. There's meaning. There's purpose. It is leading me towards a tikkun in my life. And that gives it meaning and it gives it purpose. You know the saddest thing in the world? The hardest thing in the world is when you think something has no meaning and no purpose. When you think that you are overcoming or confronting something for no reason, that is the hardest thing. And when you know there's a tachlis, then you can take it on. Too many in our community are having to give their kids poison to make their kids better. They're having to give their children poison to make their children better, to help them heal, please God, have a full and a speedy recovery. I was just talking to one to give your child poison, to make them sick, to see them lying there in pain. It's so hard for a parent. But what enables the parent to do it? There's a purpose. The pain has a tachlis. The tachlis is to make you better. Tachlis is to get you closer to a goal. Tachlis is to get to a destination. So if you are in pain for no reason at all and no explanation and no, nothing to come out of it, you could never survive such a thing. But to undergo a treatment because you know that its purpose is ultimately to heal, to repair, to get you to a better place, so then you can find what it takes to undergo that treatment because it's a treatment. Kiata imadi means whatever we're going through in life is the treatment that we're meant to take. Hashem is our Father in Heaven and sometimes He gives us chemo. Sometimes we have to take poison and it feels like poison. And it's the experience of poison. And it's the pain of poison. 
but he's giving us a treatment because it's what he needs to give us to bring a repair, to bring a tikkun, to get us to the next place, to get us where we want to go. Not because the story is going to necessarily have the outcome we want, though we hope and we pray and we'll do everything in our power. But even if our won't, our amuna is not because it has to have that outcome. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the repair, the tikkun that we had to undergo, our guest tonight on Behind the Bima, is that it doesn't have a positive outcome. But for the 11 children, for the husband, they turned it into a tikkun. They saw that painful experience as a form of treatment that they were getting from Hashem. It's a tachlis. We can overcome almost anything when we believe it has a tachlis. When we believe it has meaning and purpose. When we believe it has a reason. When we believe, ki imadi, then gam ki elech begei we can walk through hell. Gam ki elech begei we can walk through Tzalmavis when? When you're Imadi. But if you're not Imadi, that's going to make it better? It's not a miscarriage. You were helping the world get one step closer to Mashiach. Why? Why were you chosen? Why did you have to be the one to do it? I don't know. But it wasn't for no reason. There was a tachlis. There is a treatment for the world. This was what was necessary to get one step closer. So ki Imadi, I just, I saw that last week, Rav Lopiansky, I watched that, and I thought I had to share it with you. Because it's really so fundamental to everything that we study and learn and everything that we're working on collectively together. Eramuna cannot be founded on only positive stories and happy stories and goosebump stories and stories that have the ending, the fairy tale ending that we want. He didn't find 2,000 shekel, he didn't find 220 or two shekel, he found himself. And Amun is the way we find ourselves, our true selves. Who are we and why are we here? And what relationship are we meant to and are we capable of having? And how can we feel He's by our side? How can we live How can we put on our Amuna glasses so we don't just have Amuna? It's not sitting in a drawer or on a dresser. It's not something that we practiced last week or last month. It is the glasses, the contact lenses that we have. I'll go a step further. Can Amuna become the LASIK surgery? so that we permanently transform our vision to see him everywhere. Glasses you put on, you take off. We had children who went last night to see something. One of them texted us, I forgot my glasses. We spent all this money for you to go enjoy that thing. You forgot your glasses. What do you mean you forgot your glasses? Baruch Hashem, they saw they enjoyed. Forgot their glasses. What do you mean you forgot your glasses? If they're glasses, you could forget them. I forgot to live with Amuna. I got all frustrated. I got angry. I got anxious. I got envious. I got egotistical. I forgot to wear my Amuna glasses. I forgot to see Hashem. And I reacted. Those are glasses. Contacts, once you put them in, you can't forget them. You're wearing them. LASIK, you reconstruct the eye so that now it only sees clearly. Can we get to a point of LASIK on our Amuna eyes? That we only live in a world where we see Hashem everywhere. Where we see Hashem all around us. That's our goal. Kiyata imadi. When it's kiyata imadi, then gam kielach begeitzalmavas. We're all going to walk through Gates Almavis at some point in life. I'm going from here to a funeral for someone I only met once. A tragic circumstance. A family called me. It's not an observant family, not connected to BRS. But this man, a little while ago, was moved for whatever reason in his life to try to explore Judaism more seriously and found me online and started listening to our shiurim and printing out our Parsha perspective write-up and sharing it Shabbos at his table. And his family said he wanted to get to BRS and he wanted to meet me. Junie was diagnosed 
It's a neuroradiologist, a young man in his 50s. Junie was diagnosed with an illness last week. He had a coma, and he went into a hospice, and the family said, he wanted to meet you. He'd love to meet you before he dies. Could you come see him? I went to see him, and he wasn't conscious, but with his family, I had a heartfelt exchange because even though we never physically met, but if we learn Torah together, our souls have been spending a lot of time together. When you learn Torah with someone, even from a distance, your souls are connected, and I felt connected. And I only met him once, and he's not part of BRS, but for his children and wife, I'm going to go to the funeral straight from here. They're walking through Gates Almavis right now. I think he's 56 or 57 years old. In June, as a neuroradiologist, he got the film of his own scan and diagnosed his own illness and knew how little he had to live. They're going through Gates Almavis. They're going through their own Gates Almavis. So you tell me, Say, Rabbi, it's nice philosophy. That doesn't make me feel better. What's the alternative? Does it make you feel better to feel there's no God? It's random and chance. There's no reason. Certain quota of people are going to get that horrific dreaded disease every year and leave this world only six months later. And you're the lottery winner. You spun the wheel and you won the lucky lottery. Your father, your husband. That's better? That's easier? It's more comforting? It's also not even true. The truth is there is a God and there is a world and there is meaning and there is purpose and there is tachlas. And when we lean into kiata imadi, then gam ki elech begeitz Then we can walk through the shadow of death. Then we can walk through the valley of hell. When? When do we find the strength, the fortitude? Only kiata imadi. Kiata imadi. It's not me, it's Rav Lopiansky, it's not him, it's David HaMelech. So you're going through something, ton, print it. And the doctor gives you the prescription. Underneath it, write, Kiata Imadi, before you give it to the pharmacy. When you get the, the card for when your next appointment, Kiata Imadi. On the medicine bottle, when you take the medicine, Kiata Imadi, Einod Melvado. On the mirror, on your steering wheel, on your dashboard, on your home screen, Kiata Imadi. Wherever you're going through, whatever you're going through, Gates Almavas, Kiata Imadi. With Kiatai Madi, we can go through anything. And without Kiatai Madi, God is not with us. If we're all alone and we're facing a world that has no meaning and no purpose and no order and no right and no reason, then I don't know how you can get out of bed in the morning. I don't know we can go through anything. Okay, let's start. Let's start. Let's just go through at least the first two lines. So this is a Sefer Tifa Emuna, his series of Gamliel Rabinovich. Teva Torah, Teva Tehilos, Teva Tefila, Teva Kila, Teva Tshuva, Teva Alacha, Teva Shiduchem, Teva Emuna, Teva Chesed, Teva Chinuch, Teva Agada, Teva Nechama, Teva Yeshua, Teva Moadim, Tiv, the good, the best, the right, the righteous, to draw out. These are all the Sichos of Gamliel. He's a Yerushalayim. And again, I, I, I shared, you could take a look at the link I posted this morning, a great article by Srili Besser, also getting a lot of play this morning, in Mishpacha about Rav Gamliel. You'll appreciate his words in the text that we're going to spend the next month learning when you know a little more about who he is. We're starting into the Sefer. We're not starting from the beginning. Page Samach Vav, page 67. We're not starting from the beginning. Feel free to keep the copy if you want to take notes. If you're not taking notes, return it so we can keep bringing it back each, uh, each week. The Pasuk in Tehillim David HaMelech says, Shivisi Hashem Lenidi Samir Hashem, you place you opposite me always. Who called Gadol Batoru of Amalas Hatzadikim, Asher Hochel Lefnei HaElokim. Who sings that? It's really Williger. Who called Gadol Batoru, a main and primary principle, a foundation of Torah, is Amalas Hatzadikim. And one of the ways the righteous live, 
that they walk before Hashem, and Shivisa Hashem Hashem, you're opposite me always. I don't need it on my home screen and my dashboard and my refrigerator, and I don't need it in my on my mirror because I live it. I'm wearing those Amuna glasses, so you're you're always I see you opposite me always. If you have an escort with the king, if the king is visiting you in your home, if the king is by your side, if you have a shadow, if you have a shadow, we only use, that's a new term, kids need a shadow. When I was young, I don't think anyone had a shadow. But today, everybody's been through it. Today, shadow. Kid needs a shadow, they need a shadow, you have to hire a shadow, they need a shadow. Why do they need a shadow? Because they need someone, they'll only be on their best behavior. There's someone shadowing. They need a shadow. So we all need a shadow, and we all have a shadow, and his name is Hashem. Hashem Tzilcha, he's your shadow. Literally, David Amalek calls Hashem Tzilcha, he's your shadow. And, and what's the idea of his being our shadow? Are you going to watch that if he's sitting next to you on the couch? Are you going to say that if he's sitting next to you at the table? Are you going to, are you going to do that if he's watching over your shoulder, what you're doing? He is our shadow. He's our shadow. The king. Now he is our shadow. The he is not someone we can manhandle. The he is the king. The king of kings, the creator of the universe. We know that, you know, our, our, um, our mental health podcast called Out of the Shadows. Next one's coming out very soon about trauma, the impact of trauma. So why is it called Out of the Shadows? Because so much of mental health challenges happen where? In the shadows. People feel alone and isolated and by themselves. People go into their own head and the conversations they tell themselves. People live with shame and stigma and in the shadows. And that's where these challenges happen and are. And that's where they lead to um, acting out and behaviors which are destructive and sabotaging and negative because they're in the shadows. They're in the shadows. They're by ourselves. But a life of Amuna is to never feel isolated and never feel alone and never feel in the shadow and never feel stigma. It's to feel Hashem is by my side. If He's by my side, I'm never alone. If He's by my side, I'm never by myself. If He's by my side, He can take me through whatever it is I'm facing, whatever it is I have to overcome. But it also means He's watching everything that I'm doing. He's watching everything that I'm doing. It works both ways. When you live with Shivisi Hashem Summit, when you wear the Amuna glasses and you see and interpret and filter everything in the world and your world that Hashem is there, it both gives confidence and faith and comfort and builds us up to know we're not alone, but it also creates an enormous amount of responsibility and accountability and supervision, and that's what we're mind trying to achieve. That's what we're leading towards. So at least we've started the text today. Gamaliel is saying that our mission, our goal, the definition of living with Amuna is to feel Hashem is our shadow. He's by our side. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, He's by our side. He's with us. It's always easier. It's always with us. Yecheva just came back. She was at the Rebetzin conference. Maybe she'll share at some point her experience at the Rebetzin conference. We always tell each other, whenever we have to travel by ourselves, we always text each other, because Baruch Hashem, blessed to have a wonderful marriage. We say, Ach, I wish you were with me. It's always easier to travel when we're together. It's always better when we're together. Right? Some people are like, little, little alone time. 
a little alone time. Maybe they say that, but a little alone time, a little by myself, a little space, a little margin. I don't know if she means it. At least I mean it when I say it. I hope she does. That, you know, it's always better. You're sitting by the gate. You're delayed. You're on the plane. You're uh, waiting. It's always better when you're, it's always nicer. It's always nicer. So it says of Gamliel, we're trying to get to the place of Amuna that you're never traveling by yourself. You're never like, which gate do we have to go to? Scrambling to get through security? It's delayed. What's going to be? What seat assignment did I get? You're always like, nah, Hashem, we're good. We're, we're going together. Hashem, no, let's go. They changed the gate. Hashem, let's go. They said it's time to board. Hashem, let's go. We got to get to the overhead space. We got to make sure there's enough room for our bag. The level we're trying to get to, the life we're trying to live, is to get to a place as Gamliel, trying to get to that place of Amunas. Hashem's our shadow. He's always with us. He's our escort. He's our shadow. He's our person helping us. It's unbelievable. He's taken us with us throughout wherever we go. And because he's with us wherever we go, we're able to get through whatever we need to. I have to get to this uh, funeral, unfortunately. Please stay to Hillam. Chaya Estatila Basari Atzipura. Please, Dafka, stay today for a little extra to Hillam. Shadir only Besoros Tovos, only good things. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy.